This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We're continuing about the valleys in the Bible. And a lot of times the valleys are in connection with the rivers, because many of these valleys we've already seen where rivers are running through the valley. So we do want to think today about the Jordan Valley and, of course, the Jordan River. And a lot of important things happen with the Jordan River. The Jordan Valley and Jordan River are mentioned many times in the Old Testament and quite a few times in the New Testament. And some important things happen along here, and we want to see some of that in the Scripture today. I always like to give you the uh, geography part of these valleys. This particular Jordan Valley here is uh, unlike most other river valleys, like I said, it applies especially to the lower course of it, to the Jordan River. And that's from the spot where it exists, the, the Sea of Galilee in the north, and it will flow and end all the way into the Dead Sea in the south. And when you look at the map there, the picture that I have of you today of, of the uh, valley, you can see how it's built up, especially the bottom picture. It's actually the, the term for meeting the Jordan Valley is, means descent. And I think that it's because when the rains come, how steep those sides are that it really, the waters descent down into the river. And it's a very uh, fast-flowing river at, at many points. But it is a, it is a long uh, area here. It's long and narrow. It's about 65 miles long, if you measure what, how they say as the crow flies. <laughs> uh, and at some points, it is about six and a half miles wide but then it narrows even up to around two, two and a half, uh, through different areas in there as well. So it widens, narrows like many valleys and rivers down through there. This particular valley, the lowest elevation uh, in the world, and it begins at uh, 212, 696 feet below sea level. And it, as it goes down through the, some of the areas, you know, you can look at the top picture and it's, it looks like it's inhabited by many people along the way. But the bottom picture gives us an idea of what it's like during much part of it, uninhabited, very rough area that is in there. And uh, in fact, the Bible uh gives us a good picture of what that area that God said would look like. Uh, Leviticus, we'll get these uh, up on the screen, Leviticus 26 and verse number 31. We want to see what it said about, about the uh, valley there. And I will make your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries into desolation, and I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein 
shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths as long as it lieth desolate and be in your enemy's land. Even then shall the land rest and enjoy your Sabbath. So it is very scarce in some areas where you'll find one or two inhabitants along the way. But it is, it is a portion there where, uh, it is very rough terrain in it as well. So, we do want to look at some of the things that we find along the Jordan River that have, that have happened there. And we, you may not realize how many times that the Jordan River is mentioned in things that have taken place there. We're familiar, real familiar with some of the things. But we also want to look at other things as well. Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 1. You remember this, of course, in the Gospels, and it talks about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus. He was to prepare the way, and he did that. He was a strange-looking fellow, but he preached not about himself. He had disciples follow him, but he always talked about the Lord Jesus coming. He always talked about looking for him the Messiah, the true one. And, and along the way, when John preached like that, he had people that followed him religiously. It had been easy for John to stand back and say, well, man, I'm getting pretty popular. I think uh, I ought to just, you know, start doing what I want to do and preach what I want to preach, and I've got my own disciples, but John was never like that. So in fact, we... We see what was happening there in Matthew. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So his message was repentance. You need to repent. You need to get, get the sins out of your life. And then he says in verse 3, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. So what did John have to do? He had to go about getting people prepared to know about the Messiah. He had to prepare them to let them know that, hey, someone is coming that's going to be the Savior of the world that can forgive sins. I can't forgive sins, John says. But I'm, I'm going to tell you about someone who can do that. And so that, that message was a good, strong, and a different message for people to hear. So John's job was to do that. And he did. You know, it kind of reminds me of the work that we're still doing. We, we still do have that message to tell people that Christ saves, that you can be forgiven, that there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. What, what a way, you know, like he was preparing for Jesus to come the first time, we, we can prepare people for Jesus to come the next time. So, hey, you know, your life is in the balance here. And sooner or later, you'll have to give an account. We're going, this world world is not going to last, it's going in. So I'm here to give you a message that Jesus is coming back. The pastor's been preaching those messages. 
So we need to understand that the same message that John preached in one respect is the same thing that we're preaching and teaching today, that we are to prepare people for the way. Now, look at what it, kind of what is uh, what he looked like. The, the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. So he had a strange, strange thing, way about him. But, you know, how many people think we're strange because we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ a lot? A lot of times people, you know, they, they want to be your friends till you start talking about the Lord, till you start talking about what the Bible says, start praising the Lord Jesus, and then they're like, mm, I'm around a fanatic here. I'm ready, I'm ready to get rid of this person. I'm, I'm going to move on. And I'm sure there was a lot of people who thought John's message was strange, didn't want to hear it. But a lot of people did hear it. And this is the thing that happened here. He went out to him, Jerusalem, then went out to him, Jerusalem, and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. So baptism took place, and people are still being baptized in the Jordan. Pastors baptized many people in the Jordan River. And when they, they trips over to the Holy Land, they are still doing that today. They find a, a good area that they can go out there and baptize in the Jordan River. So it's a great thing to be able to, to do that. And, and we'll talk about, of course, Jesus himself being baptized in that river as well. So uh, the Jordan and the Jordan Valley, the Jordan River, all these things that we talk about here are very important as to what's taken place in this particular area. Go ahead and get uh, Genesis 13 up on the screen, if you will. Another uh, area in the Bible that we see that talk about the Jordan Valley, we find here uh, about Abraham and Lot and, and what took place in this particular... And this gives you an idea of what they saw when they came up on this valley where they were. Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto a place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Always a good call on the Lord, isn't it? And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. So we're talking about two people here that had a whole lot of herds, a whole lot of people with them, and a whole lot of things when they traveled. I mean, they covered a vast area of land. In fact, it got so big that we see in verse number 6, the land was not able to bear them. That means in one particular area to feed all the cattle, set up tents, do all the stuff that they needed to do. They, they just needed more area. They needed more land that they might dwell together. So if they were going to stay together, it was even greater that they needed. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. The Lord blessed them so greatly. 
And then this is what happened. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. It doesn't say that there was strife between Abram and Lot. Uh, they, they were getting along okay. But these guys that are taking care of all the cattle, they probably get, well, now I, I got this area over here for mine. What you doing bringing yours over here? I found this, this area first. Why are you, why are you over? So there's strife there. You know, it's just too much to try to bear everyone in this area. And on top of that, this is the Canaanite, the Pezzarite dwelled then in the land. Verse number eight. Abraham said to Lot, well, Abram, let there not be strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we are brethren. It sounds like a lesson today for us, isn't it? We're children of God. And even, even as our church and many other churches in the land, we shouldn't be fighting against one another. We're in, we're in here, we're, we're kinsmen together. If they know the, if they serve the Lord Jesus Christ, preach Christ in their churches, we preach Christ in our churches, we ought to be able to work together always. So he says, it's not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. So here we see what they saw. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. So get an idea as you look at that picture, especially the top picture, just the whole plain there. And he's, he's looking it over and that it was well watered everywhere. Now this is before, notice how the Bible says this, before Lot destroyed, or the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. So some feel like it even could have looked almost like the Garden of Eden. That's how, how nice it was. And of course, you know, when, when the Lord did destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, those cities that were in that area, of course, you can imagine a lot of the land was scorched around it, destroyed around it. All those things took place too. So this is, this is before all of that. Like the land of Egypt, as thou comest into, comest unto Zor. So a choice had to be made. Which, what you going, what you going to take? So Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from the other. So Lot made his choice. That meant there's a choice left over for Abram. So he dwelled in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. That's a whole nother message, isn't it? <laughs> because that's where you start down the wrong road, didn't it? You Sodom and Gomorrah, as we said here, and it gives you the, the problem here. It says, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Very wicked, wicked place. And here we find Lot pitching his tent toward that. Now, he didn't make his choice because of Sodom. 
but he just made his choice when he picked one side and the other one picked, picked the other side. But we find as, as from this point on, there's some choices that, that are going to be made, and there will be some wrong choices in, in that particular in his life. So we're seeing that these things are taking place uh, in this particular area. And uh, so we want to also remember some other things that have taken place. Now, we want to go to uh, Joshua chapter 3. Now, in this particular place, we find that they also, the Jordan is going to come into uh, seeing here some things that are going to happen. And this, this is uh, dealing with Joshua and what he is doing. Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out before you the, uh, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Pezzarites, the Gergershites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, all the ites, and the ite family. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you, notice this, into Jordan. We've been teaching on Wednesday night about King David, and we just taught the lesson on the ark, how David brought the ark back to Jerusalem. And we found that how much importance God put on the ark. We talked about how they were not to touch the ark with human hands, but they made those staves to put in alongside that they would reach down and pick them up. And at one point, of course, we know the Bible says they were carrying that ark and those rough roads, it began to tilt, began to fall. Sometimes they'd be carrying it on a wagon. And someone reached out to steady the ark, and, and God killed them right there because they put their hands on it. And we talked about how that sounds very cruel, that sounds very harsh, what the Lord did, but when it comes to obeying the Lord, especially back in, the, in this day of the law, when it comes to obeying what the Lord said, we, they had to do it. They needed to do it. There was always consequences. It was always for Israel consequences. Whenever they would serve the Lord, look to the Lord, call upon the Lord, He'd help them in battle. He'd help them uh, in provisions. He'd help them all along the way. But then when they get off track and say, well, we hadn't heard from the Lord, and we haven't seen the Lord, and we're going we're gonna to build us an idol, or we're going to build us an altar, and we're going to worship something else, then guess what? Problems would come. So, this ark was a very important thing. And this particular area here, they're getting ready to, to move this ark. And you remember from the last verse, it's going to be, uh, one of the obstacles is going to be, is crossing Jordan, Jordan River. You know, I think as Christians serving the Lord, you got to remember, as we serve the Lord faithfully, there's always going to be some obstacles come up every now and then. There's always going to be something the devil's going to have in the way. 
Whenever you make up your mind, I'm going to serve the Lord, I'm going to live for the Lord, I'm going to stay as close to the Lord as I can, you better believe the devil's going to bring something along the way, try to trip you up. Something's going to happen that'll put your mind to thinking that, you know, is God real? Is he going to help me? Is this going to happen? You know, doubting God or fearing the things that are around us. Those things are going to come up. But that's when we need to say, you know what, devil? I still know who's in control. <laughs> I still know what God's going to bring me through. And I'm still leaning on the Lord. So uh, we, we need to learn those lessons in our Christian walk, no doubt. But here we are with this obstacle. Now, therefore, take you 12 men out of the tribes of Israel and of every tribe of a man. It should come to pass as soon as the souls of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all earth, notice this, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. I like that. That means God going to control Jordan, Jordan River. And that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above that river, in fact, I didn't bring us out in the geography part of it, but that river starts through the springs at Mount Hermon as that, that the snows begin to melt and come down through there. That's how that begins. So at some point, Lord's going to say, put the, put the block on that water there. Cut off. That come down from above, and they shall stand upon and heap. Stand upon a heap. Whenever I read this, it reminds me, what does it remind you of? It reminds me of the children of Israel escaping out of Egypt, Moses leading them to get to that Red Sea, and what does he do? The Lord parts the waters and said they walked off on dry land. And so it's interesting, I never thought about how many times in the Bible it talks about the Lord stopping the water, parting the water, piling it up in a heap. That's what he did. And this is exactly what took place. It came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. So everybody said, well, all right, we're moving. You know, that was always a big, big thing when you got everybody together and said, got the word out, hey, we're, it's a moving day. Time to pack up. It's time to move, get everything together. Let's go. And as they that bear the ark will come to the Jordan. And the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. And I like to, even what they talked about the Jordan here, this, this increased their faith even more right here. They didn't come to a little creek, it was barely flowing. For the Jordan overflowed all his banks all the time of harvest. So at harvest time, the Jordan was flooded. And can you imagine these guys carrying that ark and they're looking at this Jordan and they're getting closer and it's overflowing the banks even and they're thinking, hmm, this is going to be interesting here. I mean, it's going to be a deep thing going on here now. What are we going to do? So the Bible says as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest touch. So I, I guarantee you they got a command to just keep on walking. Don't stop, you know. Once again, as Christians, we have to keep on moving in this world. 
We have to keep going. There's some things that want to knock us back. Things that really, really, you know, how many times have I heard people, well, I, I used to be a faithful Christian. I used to serve the Lord and work in the church. I did all these. I used to, but, you know, this happened and that happened and, and I just don't do that anymore. Isn't that sad? That's what I hated about COVID. COVID came along and it's a bad thing. It's still with us. I, I don't, I don't downgrade that. But COVID knocked a lot of Christians back from serving God. And I wonder how many of them uh, uh, got back on their feet again and said, hey, you know, the Lord brought me through that and, and I'm, I'm glad I'm able to get back in the house of the Lord and serve the Lord faithfully and do things for Him. I'm afraid there's a lot of people that, that, let, that let that thing stop them. But here it wasn't the case that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zarathan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, look at this, stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. Wait a minute, we're talking about the ground, that water has, how many of you know, that's a muddy mess, isn't it? But the Lord not only dried the water up, but He dried the ground up too. <laughs> In the midst of the Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground, and all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Once again, this Jordan River is coming to, to effect here. And we see what God can do in any circumstance. Those priests, as soon as their feet touch those overflowing banks, that water began to part, begin to stop. And here they passed over on dry ground. I can only imagine as they're looking up at that water at some point and realizing God has moved again. Isn't it great to look back and see when we face something in our life and be able to say, God moved again. God answered prayer again. He has come through again. One thing is for sure, the faithfulness of God, of God you can always depend on. <clears throat> now, He may not answer when we wanted Him to answer. He may not even solve the problem like we wanted to solve it. But God's ways are higher than our ways. And many times, I don't know about you, but I look back and say, now I understand why you did it that way, Lord. Now I see why you work like that. And praise the Lord, you did. Give Him thanks, give Him praise for what He's done. Amen. So, this was another case of the Jordan. Alright, so that's Joshua. Let's look at Psalms 114 and verse 1 through 3. <clears throat> Here, it says, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah was in his sanctuary and Israel in his dominion. The sea saw it, notice this, and fled. Jordan was driven back. So once again, we see the hand of the Lord. We see how he can move in that situation. 
All right, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 6. Now, once again, I, when I was studying the lesson, I didn't realize how many times Jordan had been affected by the Lord, how, the things that he had done. But here's a great story. Here's a great example of what the Lord did as well so people around could see what he was able to do and how the hand of the Lord was upon this man, these two men. Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me, notice this, to Jordan. So we're talking about Elisha and Elijah. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And this was the, uh, the audience that by, was standing by and saw everything happening. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle, he wrapped it together, and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. So he has this mantle wrapped around him, pulls it off and wraps it together, and takes that thing and swings it, on the Jordan, and that's what took place. So the waters begin to divide. You can imagine how these 50 men are looking at this and seeing this happen. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. So he's about to depart. He's about to leave. And... Uh, Elisha, of course, is sad about that. And he, he, he wants something from him. He's been following him. He's been with him. He knows what Elisha has done before I be taken. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. What a great thing to ask. What a wonderful, you know. He, he could have asked for so many other things. But he said, what I've, what I've recognized is that the spirit of the Lord is upon you. And I want a double portion of that. You know, we can ask the Lord for many things, can't we? Selfishly. We can ask in vain. We can ask for something that we don't need. We can ask for something that would actually harm us and help us. But when we ask the Lord for something that's going to help us spiritually, going to help us grow the kingdom of God, going to help us be better Christians, I guarantee you the Lord's ready to answer that. He's ready to help us with that and do that. But notice he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. I guarantee you he didn't take his eyes off of him after that. <laughs> He's like, wherever you're going, I'm right there. I I'm going to make sure that I keep my eyes on you. So it came to pass as they went on and talked that behold there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. Remember what he said? As long as you see it. 
And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. <laughs> so he, he's so sad to see he, his brother go up in the, in the sky but he probably, while he's watching, all of a sudden sees something falling on back down, and that's the mantle of Elijah. So he runs over, he picks that up, and it's going over in his mind. I asked for a double portion of his spirit to be upon me. I, 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 don't, I don't know what, what has happened. I don't know if that took place. But he says, you know what? I know this. If I take that mantle, and do the same thing that that man of God did. If it fell upon me, then it all the same thing ought to be able to happen to me. So he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he smote the waters and said, Where is the God of Elijah? And when also he had smitten the waters, guess what happened? They parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. So once again... Jordan plays an a important part in seeing that God is on the move with these men. God's promise was fulfilled, and it, that spirit, that same double portion came upon him as well. For sake of time, let's go on to Mark chapter 1, because I want to get to Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. I do want you to see this, because this is probably one of the mo more familiar places we hear about the river Jordan. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was what? Baptized of John in the Jordan. Can you imagine how John felt when he looked up, been preaching about Jesus coming? Looked up and there he was. John recognized it. And then on top of that, for Jesus to come up and say, didn't say, John, you're doing a good job, keep it up. No, he came in and said, John, I want you to baptize me. Now, did Jesus need to be baptized? No. But Jesus is showing once again the example that we are to follow. And I believe as Christians, we should follow the Lord in baptism after we are saved. But this is what I want you to see here that I thought I found very interesting. Because not only do we, you know, I have people say, well, you know, you talk about the Trinity. I don't ever, I didn't see that in the Bible. I don't see anything about the Trinity. Well, you need to read your Bible a little closer because it's all in there. Even right at the very beginning in Genesis, it says, let us. So we see it spoken of the Trinity many times. Now here we find the Trinity straightway coming up out of the water he saw the heavens open and the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, but notice it was like a dove descending upon him. So it took the form of a dove. And there came a voice from heaven saying, that thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have God the Father's voice coming from heaven. So we have a, a perfect picture of the Trinity here. But not only that, as I was studying about this dove, 
And like I said, today I'm going by what the Lord's given me because I left my notes at home uh, this morning. So I've been teaching the lesson on what he's, I try to retain and remember. So I'm trying to remember, I want you, I really wanted to bring up, what does a dove represent many times? It represents, a dove is not a bird that attacks other animals, other birds. It's, it's a, it's more of a humble type species. And how many have gotten up in the mornings or late in the evenings and heard that mourning of a dove? So many things about the dove speak of humble, peace, and they speak of things that the Lord Jesus represents. Um, we see the, the dove in the picture when the ark rested and the dove came back. We see other uh, things in the Bible that talk about the dove. So there's many, many aspects to the, the dove that bring to our memory exactly what Jesus was. You know, we, we are to be wise as serpents, but humble as doves. We are to be Christians, I believe, that show people love, that we love them no matter what they are, who they are. They still need Jesus just like we need Jesus. So that, that picture of, of the dove coming down, I love that. And people saw that, that picture and it represented so many, so many things there. Let's look at the last uh, verse, Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, and the Spirit of counsel, and might be the Spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. So this whole thing of the Spirit in the form of a dove resting upon him gives us, this scripture gives us a good uh, look of what some of the things that I believe wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge. You know, we depend on the Lord for all those things. We read His Word and we realize that we get wisdom out of His Word. We'll get understanding out of it. Whenever we need counseling, listen, the best counsel you can get is from the Word of God. And I guarantee you, you, you have a counseling session with the pastor He'll not sit down with you without opening up a scripture or the word and say, well, let's look at what the word says. The word says this. You see, he's basing that counsel on the word of God. And that's what we need to do as well. And believe me, we live in a day and age where we need to have as much knowledge of what the spirit wants us to do as Christians. There are so many other things going on and bombarding our minds and our eyes and our ears in the day we live in. I encourage you to start off the day saying, I need the knowledge of the Spirit of the Lord today. I need to know exactly what I'm, I'm supposed to do today. Help me, Lord, not to make wrong decisions. Help me to, to reach out to the right people, do the right things. So all of these things, and then it wraps it up, and of the fear of the Lord. I think that we should have that holy reverence fear of him, who he is, and stand up for the Lord and let people know that he is God. So uh, I think today that the Jordan Valley, 
The Jordan River's been a very interesting place. I was just amazed at all the things that have happened along in, in the Jordan River and along the Jordan River today. Um, I'm, in my notes, I really had who occupied certain parts of it, who it belonged to, and how they... Uh, it's a lot of agriculture that takes place there today as well along that very fertile area. So it, it, it's a great place. And I'm sure they'll, when they go to the Holy Land, they'll be able to go along certain areas of the Jordan River and it'll be, it'll be a great time as well. So just praise the Lord that He's still on the move today. Amen. He may have held those waters back back then, but let me tell you something. He can hold back the demons of hell today. He can hold back things that would hurt us today. He can take care of us and watch over us and keep us by His mighty power. And I thank the Lord for it. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.